Well, I just have one question for you. Are you ready to win? Winning with Waterfall Racing Podcast is all about helping you achieve your goals through our community. We have an incredible community of top age groupers, of beginners, of the most incredible pros, and we all come together to support each other. And we want you to be a part of the journey with us. As you know, triathlon is addicting. It's addicting because we become addicted to bettering ourselves, to growing ourselves, to seeing how far we can push the limits of our physical capabilities. And it starts with the mental mindset as well. The strength begins there. So come with us as we learn about health, as we learn about tips, as we learn about gear, as we learn about what our pros are up to. And as most importantly, we support each other through this journey. Welcome to the Waterfall Racing Podcast. Well, hi, everybody. It's actually Easter Sunday. And yes, you hear background noise because I am doing what so many of us endurance athletes rarely do. I'm actually sitting out here on my back porch, just relaxing. Yeah, it feels kind of weird, uh, but great at the same time. So I actually got my my three-hour bike ride and brick run done super early this morning before we headed out for all the Easter activities. So yes, I'm exhausted, but I don't have a workout hanging over my head right now, and it feels great. So decided to come hang out with you and get this podcast out there into the world because it's one I'm super excited about. I had the best week. It was our spring break, kind of, I guess. And, uh, you know, just coming from Oceanside 70.3, covering and connecting with so many of you. It's always such a good time. Uh, Big congrats to Danielle Lewis and Andre Lopez, our pros. Actually got to go have coffee with them and catch up. And then just a lot of um, some other pro friends as well. I got to cover the race and uh, get full press access. So it was really fun and inspiring to, to be, you know, right there up close and personal with everybody And after that, I jumped on a plane, uh, connected in Atlanta, grabbed my two youngest kids, which are still at home, and then headed to South Florida because I had a speaking event there at the end of the week. So there in Florida, I got to get what I was wanting, which was my heat, some of my heat training done. And yeah, be careful what you wish for, right? I was not prepared. It's one thing to to have warmer temps, but to go straight to South Florida, it, it was pretty intense. I even uh, I just did a ten miler for my run, and boy, I was I was getting those chills and you know all those feelings at the end when you're pushing in heat that you're not quite ready for. So. Yeah, I, I definitely got got what I was looking for out there, but always a good time. Great to be home. Great to be back to a regular routine, actually. I'm, I'm looking forward to kind of having more predictability right now. But today's episode, I'll tell you how it came about. I'll tell you, I was oh, maybe scrolling through Instagram. That's how I found John Kelly. And I saw one of his posts. Or yeah, I saw one of his posts really intrigued me. He's very good about really jumping on and and getting into some some mindset thoughts in his post. And then I went and listened to a podcast and heard him talk about intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation and how it relates to being able to finish and and truly get in there and, and be who you need to be at these endurance events. And it just... For some reason, that thought going back and forth in my mind just stuck with me. And I was like, man, I really would love to get him on the podcast and jump into his mindset more. And so I reached out and wouldn't you know it, he was super gracious, got back with me, said, sure, when can we do it? Actually caught up with him when I was in California and we were able to get this interview. So I was very excited. There are a lot of interviews out there about his most recent accomplishment, which is the Barkley Marathons. And you can go get more of a play-by-play on that if you want to hear that. This episode is just more about him and his mindset and what drives him. And I think you're really going to enjoy it. If, you, if you've never heard of the Barkley Marathons, you need to go Google that more extensively too. Because just to finish those only a handful of people can even say they've finished those. And he's done it two times 
as well as you'll hear all the other accolades and, uh, you know, go Google him. You really need to Google him to see everything he's done. It's really incredible. So I thoroughly enjoyed speaking with him. And then I've connected. I don't know how I connected with Brady Silverwood. I think it was on Instagram as well, but I saw this new ultra race, uh, Kauai 50 Kauai 50. And, you know, I'm always looking for an excuse to go to Hawaii, right? Aren't we all? But it just really captured my attention. And the more I dug into it, the more I just really was impressed with his reasoning and his dream of why he's wanting to put this out there, why there's such a big prize purse. And so I thought, you know what, this is a good pairing. Let me put him on here so that people can find out more about this race and reach out to him. So between the two of these, I think this is such a great episode. You're going to really enjoy hearing from both of them. Uh, With John Kelly, actually, because of where I was staying in Oceanside, there was a little bit of problems and I had to actually do like an audio phone call. So the audio is a little bit muted, just a little bit. But I appreciate your patience there as we continue to figure out how I can be on the road and catch everybody in action and keep all the audio levels uh, exact. So I'm, I'm still working on that, I promise. But it's a great episode. So let's jump right in. Well, I am here with Brady Silverwood, and I found him, or he found me. Somehow we connected on Instagram, and I saw this Kauai 50 race that he is going to tell us more about in a minute, and it just, I got me so excited. I wanted to make sure I shared it with, you know, you, my audience, as we're always looking for new, fun, exciting challenges. So, Brady, welcome to the Waterfall Racing Podcast. Thank you, Joy. Yeah, uh, we're we're really excited to talk about the race and uh, just talk to you today about kind of everything we're doing and, and life. So thanks for having us on. Well, I'll tell you, I don't know if this is good or bad. My coach might kill me for this, but my um, my goal is to qualify for Kona at Hanu here coming up in June. And in the back of my mind, though, when I saw your race, I was like, well, if I don't qualify, I can always go do Kauai 50. So I don't know if it's good or bad that I have that out in my mind. Um, I don't need that out as a, you know, when I'm right in the middle of a race, I need to have that big goal in my head and I can't have something. Well, I can always do that. That's super fun too. So I don't know if that's good or bad, but maybe I can even swing both regardless. Race, love that too. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds fun. Well, Brady, first tell us a little bit about you and your journey into ultra running uh, and then we'll get into your vision for this yeah. race. Yeah. So I uh, never really ran growing up, you know, I would occasionally do like a Thanksgiving 5k with with my family but I never did uh, track or cross country none of that um, I played sports but really when it came to running I I tried to minimize as much as I had <laughs> to run um, and then yeah it was just it just so happened that in 2018 I was living in Los Angeles and a friend of mine, basically dragged me to a run club on a Saturday morning and I I was like a little hungover and I, I wanted to sleep in and I didn't want to run. That was the last thing I wanted to do. And anyways, it, it was just such a, a great feeling to start off your day with a run, um, meeting people, talking to people, getting outside. And from then on, uh, from there on out, I really uh, kept going to the run club being around the runners, they were talking about half marathons, which I never even got familiar with that type of language because I thought, you know, I'll never be able to do that. And uh, signed up for my first half marathon. That was probably November 2018. I did that in Santa Monica. And then a couple months after, I did the LA marathon. Oh, wow. um, and that, that was in 2019. And then a few months after that, May 2019, I had this wild idea. I, I kind of take things zero to a hundred. You'll you'll come to find out, but love it. Um, I decided I was gonna pull Forrest Gump and run across the whole United States. So I started out um, off the coast of New Jersey in um, May 2019, and I ran 3,311 miles across the country. Wow. And I wound wound up on the coast of San Diego, California, um, December. Let's see what the exact day was. I think it was December eighth 
of uh, 2019. What and a journey, so, man. Yeah, it was, um, it was, it was, it really was such a journey. And um, yeah, yeah, you know, it, it's kind of um, self-explained, but I, I really fell in love with running. And I remember on that journey, I just realized I was like, it went from hating running to not hating it as much to kind of liking it to just like, wow, I love, I love what running does for me mentally and physically. And just, um, you know, that feeling of anything is possible when you're out on a great run. And, uh, yeah, from there, from there, I, you know, I, I wrote a book about the journey and then, um, I, I, you know, started getting into ultra running the actual races, um, started training for some races, some hundred mile races. Um, I did the keys keys 100 last year. That was my first hundred mile finish and only hundred mile finish so far. But, uh, and yeah, I, I had started a business when I was younger and thought, you know, the next time I start a business, I really want to be passionate about what I'm doing. The first time around was more so just kind of of, hey, this is a good idea. And I think it can make some money. And I kind of want to do that. And now uh, starting my own ultra running race, it's so cool, because it's more of a passion project. Uh, It was a perfect kind of transition when all this running started in my life to think about one day starting my own ultra running race and the location, the first location that came to mind was Kauai because um, me and my family, we first visited Kauai in 2005 and we have gone back every single year since. And it's just uh, such a special Island and um, they're magical about the, the land and the people and just you go there and you can feel the difference of, wow, like, you know, I feel like, uh, I feel like I'm a better person when I'm here. So I, that was an instant, like, this is where we need to have a race if I ever do a race. And then, um, yeah, just, I, I kind of came up with the 50 mile distance because, you know, I think there really is a big jump from a marathon to say a 60 K. Um, and you know, I, I, I just, I I remember when I was doing the jump, it felt like, you know, I didn't know as much about the say, um, hundred K races. I kind of just heard of the hundred milers. So I really wanted, um, to create like a popular 50 mile race that can be a, a nice way for even marathoners to get into the sport of ultra running. Yeah. And um, yeah, I just stumbled upon the Kauai five O and, you know, we're four months away from our race day and we, we found this just beautiful location right along the coast at a coffee farm called the Kauai coffee farm. Um, and it's going to be an incredible loop course about, close to a half marathon distance for the loop. So runners will do that four times and, um, they, you know, they get some incline, they're going up this kind of mountain at first and, and then they come down, look, look down on the coast. They get real close up to the ocean, get a nice ocean breeze. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be just a incredible race. And I'm super excited to give back to the runners. Um, I've been in the sport just for a little bit, but I've definitely seen how talented and remarkable some of these athletes are. And I've definitely heard a lot of runners say, say things along the lines of, well, if I made more money in this sport, then I'd probably quit my side job and just do this full time. And so my kind of goal is to give hopefully runners a chance to, to make some good money through this race and, and, this year and in our future years, hopefully increase our prize money. Um, but yeah, we're starting off with $50,000 in prize money, which is a, a big splash in ultra running. I know. Huge. Um, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and, you know, in marathon 
uh, races and, and triathlon, there's good money there. But I think uh, ultra running is kind of the next one to to hopefully grow with prize money. So hoping yeah. to kind of get that get that started for runners. Oh, that we love that. And that's, you know, that's kind of was the basis for our waterfall community as well. Our founder, uh, you know, he just wanted to try to, you know, bring on a team of, of some professional athletes and help them along the way. Because, you know, professional triathletes, they struggle a lot too. Um, you know, it's very hard, especially with all the expense that goes into this sport to to make it. Well, Brady, that's so awesome. And I love what you are doing for the sport. I love your vision. I love your dream to, you know, make this more profitable for ultra runners because they do put a lot of time and effort into the training. And yeah, that's everyone's dream to be able to focus full time on that. So tell us more how how can we sign up? How can we find more about the race and how can we contact you? Of course. Um, so yeah, we're on ultrasignup.com for our first year. Um, you could register there. We have about 45 spots left okay. uh, for runners and our entry price is, is more significant than a lot of races just because of our prize money. Um, right now it's at five fifty, but uh, your runners and anyone listening who's interested and wants to sign up, you could use the code SAVE200, all caps, SAVE200, and you can get $200 off. Um, so you can sign up for 350 bucks and have a chance to win $15,000. If you get first place or, or male and female get 15, then it goes to 5,000, 3,000, 1,500, and I believe last place gets 500 each. So. That's some serious money, you guys. Let's get <laughs> training. Let's get yeah. training. And, and my uh, my mantra is always: if you're gonna suffer, suffer in paradise, right? I always try to choose races that you know totally. at least have a beautiful view. <laughs> totally, totally. That's exactly oh, it. <laughs> I love it. I love it, Brady. Well, um, yeah, we'll be in touch. Go find him on Instagram at what as well. You can. It's under Kwai Fifty. Um, yeah, the Kawhi Five O or mm -hmm. Brady M Silverwood on Instagram. Perfect. Well, Brady, thanks so much, and good luck. And we can't wait to see how this race goes. Awesome. Thank you, Joy. Well, I am here with John Kelly. John, welcome to the Waterfall Racing Podcast. I know our community is going to be so excited to learn from you and to just gain some inspiration from you today. Thanks very much. Looking forward to uh, chatting with you. Yeah, and I loved it. Right before the show, John was like, is this going to be audio or video as well? And when I told him audio, he was like, oh, great. Now I can get a run-in before we jump on here, and I don't have to worry about getting ready for uh, being on camera. So, John, we appreciate you taking the time. I know you have a very busy schedule. Uh, but let's let me just start. I'll do a little bit of an introduction, but I want you to feel free to you know tell us even more about yourself. But if you, you know, are not as familiar with John Kelly, let me just tell you, his resume goes on and on. Um, you know, you starting, he actually did start and do some triathlon. Uh, and John, correct me if I say anything wrong along the way, but you won the ITU long distance for the age group, and that qualified you to be a pro triathlete. And then you actually raced Ironman Arizona, uh, which is just amazing, mind-blowing. And then I guess from there, you, you decided to go more into the ultra scene. But before, before we jump into that, I also want to mention that this guy has also run, what was it, a 2.26.50 marathon? Is that what, was that the time, John? Yeah, that was uh, actually just uh, a few months ago this past December at uh, CIM. So that is why we want to jump in and just, you know, find out more about him today because to be able to do the extreme distances as he's done, um, including winning the spine, which is what, 268 miles? Is that, is that the length of it? Yeah. Yeah. They're about, and that's, uh, in, in mid January in the UK. Mid January. And it's about what, 89 hours. Is that correct? 89 hours worth of being out there. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right for, uh, what my time was. Uh, if yeah. you've done it faster. Yeah. Yeah, and in, in the UK that time of year, you know, that's that's about 70% night that you're running through. 
Wow, wow, that's crazy. So to be able to do these distances and then still somehow come up with the speed to do a marathon like that is um, just, it's, it's so unique. And, uh, and that's why we wanted to have you on today. So most recently, you just finished, this was your um, second Barkley Marathon um, finish. I know it was your, but it was your fourth time doing the Barkley Marathons, correct? Uh, it was actually my sixth uh, attempt. Oh, okay. So okay. Two okay. two finishes and, and four failures. Okay. And if you don't know, why don't you just briefly explain to those who may not be as familiar with the Barkley Marathon, what is the Barkley Marathon? Uh, so it's a race in East Tennessee uh, through the mountains that is mostly off trail through rugged, overgrown, steep, rocky terrain. Uh, it's it's nominally a hundred miler, but it's it's probably closer to 130 miles, uh, constant up and down, about approaching 70,000 feet of ascent during the race. Uh, it's it's got a number of quirks with it, like you don't know the start time until uh, an hour before it starts. You you don't know the exact course uh, until the day before the race, and, and the course is is entirely unmarked. So there's there's navigation involved. Uh, you have 60 hours to finish, and only 17 people now have finished in around 35 years. And there has yet to be a female finish it as well. I know that, correct? <laughs> correct. Uh, Jasmine Paris uh, this year came as, as close as one has, and I, I look uh, forward to seeing what she can do in future years as, as well as a, a number of other strong women who, who now have some experience out there, including Courtney DeWalter and, and Maggie Patero. Yeah, and we actually, um, within my coaching circle, Alyssa Godeski did uh, Barkley Marathons last year, and I believe she got two of the loops done. Uh, so it was fun to track yeah, her and watch that, her at her first attempt. Uh, so, you know, she's, that, that's she's another one that would be. Yeah, yeah it'd be great to see story. her back out there. Yeah, yeah. So um, so that that's kind of what turned me on to the Barkley Marathons was watching her last year, and I was just so fascinated with it. And um, I think one of the, the the most challenging things is, you know, we all know as, as we get, if you've done any level of endurance event, how it starts to affect your cognitive ability. And so the fact that he has this aspect of the navigation and having to find the, you know, the book pages, that I just can't imagine has to be such a big challenge as well to be able to stay, you know, focused like that. I know I'd find myself wandering in the woods. <laughs> so, um, you know, to, to keep that focus must be such a challenge as well. And, you know, today we really wanted to jump more into your mindset of getting into ultra, but why don't you share? I, I liked one of the one of the pieces I heard about this last Barkley Marathon um, was you know when you did I guess it was starting to get towards the end where you actually thought you were hallucinating and saw one of your friends, but then later you found out you really did see him out there. Uh, so explain some of that in your state of mind at that point. Yeah, so that was on the fifth loop this year. Uh, I I hadn't been able to to get any sleep yet, and and so I'm about 50 hours uh, into the race at this point. It was a, a beautiful day. Uh, another quirk of the race is is that there's no electronic devices allowed, uh, other than a, a cheap $10 Walmart watch that that the race director gives you. The one that I was given uh, didn't have a functioning alarm on it, and so I, I desperately needed to, to get a quick nap, but also needed a way to ensure that I uh, don't just sleep through the end of the race. Uh, I needed to get a, a quick 15 to 20 minutes. And so I uh, saw an access road uh, over nearby and, and had some muddy tr tire tracks in it. And I thought, oh, perfect. That's uh, that's probably still cold from last night. Uh, it'll make a nice little bed, and the, and the cold will wake me up after just a little while. And I, I laid down and uh, then opened my eyes and looked up, and, and there's this guy 
hiking, out for a hike, coming towards me with uh, his wife and, and kids. And I just kind of in, instinctively say his name and, hey there. And uh, it's he, he says, well, that, that's a John Kelly nap if I've ever seen one, and just <laughs> laughs. And his wife gives me a funny look, and they keep walking right on by. And I, I didn't think much of it until after the race, after I've swept and kind of recovered a little bit and, and get to logically thinking about that and, and say, well, well, wait a second. Like, hey, I hadn't seen this guy in, in 20 years. He was a childhood friend. What are the chances I would see him out there on a Thursday morning plus the chances that I would actually recognize him after that long plus the chances that he would just walk by with me lying in muddy tire tracks <laughs> in the woods and just continue on as if, oh, that's perfectly normal, everything's okay. <laughs> so I was pretty convinced that I just hallucinated this. And just to confirm that, I, I chased him down on, on LinkedIn of all places and sent him a message and said, hey, this is kind of random, but but was that you? Like, were you out hiking with your family? And he, sure enough, he said, yeah, that was me. We were out there. Oh, we didn't know Barkley was going on, but uh, I just told told my kids uh, about the race, and uh, I knew about your, your previous uh, dirt naps out there, so uh, <laughs> we, we thought it best not to uh, not to disrupt you well, th- during the race. Oh my goodness, that's hilarious! So to make you feel better, you truly weren't hallucinating. But that when I heard that story, I was like, "That is the craziest story." Uh, thanks for sharing that. Uh, so let's just go back a second. You know how you got into ultra and your growth throughout. So did you start off? It looks like maybe you started off running and then you dabbled in triathlon. Uh, you know, what was the draw to, to getting into, you know, at the lowest level of endurance to, to, to begin with? Uh, I'd always wanted to see what I could do in things like a, a marathon, largely out of curiosity. I had run in high school and did track and cross country. I was never a phenomenal runner. Um, it wasn't terrible either, but I I'd typically excelled the longer the races got and the tougher the courses got. So I always thought, well, I should see what I can do in in something, uh, you know, longer than a a high school 5K. And so I finished up college and grad school, done my tour of uh, intramural sports and signed up for the Marine Corps Marathon and did that. It went pretty terrible. Um, thought I could do a bit better, so I did another marathon and then another and qualified for Boston and, and kind of wanted to, to keep exploring and, and see what else I could do, what I enjoyed, keep myself in shape uh, in the year and a half I had until the Boston Marathon. And so tried out uh, ultra running and, and triathlon, which that was largely because uh, I was living in D.C. where it is horribly hot and humid in the summer, uh, where running isn't the most enjoyable thing. But I I had huge areas of just perfect, beautiful rural farmland in in western Maryland uh, for for cycling. So I thought, you know, I just need to add swimming and and I'm good. Uh, Unfortunately, I, I was I was pretty terrible with swimming. I, I never really got that part of the uh, that part of triathlon figured out. That's a tough one for many. Believe me, uh, that that's been my uh, my struggle as well. But you figured it out enough, John, to be able to um, at least come out and be able to make up for it. either that or you, you were extremely running very fast on the run, and obviously you were fast on the bike to make up for the swim not being your strength, to be able to qualify. Um, and, you know, what was your experience? Of, what was your thoughts of Ironman Arizona? Why was that a one and done? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, for the most part, I, I was able to uh, cover my my lack of swimming ability with the <laughs> bike and the run. And fortunately for me, 
at the iron distance that that is you know proportionally the, the least yeah what weighted of of the three and and to be honest I, I would rather have it that I come out of the water and then I'm, I'm passing people the rest of the race rather than vice versa yeah um, but I kind of my experience in triathlon had mostly run its course. I mean, of course, there were some goals that I, I fell short of. There, like there should always be some goals that, that you don't quite get. It was a really fun experience for me. It was fun expo- trying something new, meeting a lot of fantastic people, uh, doing some races in, in some amazing places. And... But my my true passion, what I enjoyed the most, what um, I I was better at as well, uh, was trail running and, and ultra running, uh, specifically in, in the mountains and in, in this 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 type of tough rugged terrain like Barkley. Yeah. So I knew I was going to switch to that full time, and I wanted the experience uh, before I did of, of just take my pro card, do one race as a pro. Uh, to and you did pretty well. That. You actually did pretty well there. Despite a, I think you, I mentioned you said despite a, a, I think you said you had like a 117 swim or something. You're like, despite that, you still ended up with an incredible time. Yeah, so the, by being in the pro field, my lack of swimming ability was instantly made worse because I, I lined up with the pros yeah, with and the, I started with yeah, the pros crazy. and they they opened a, a huge gap on like within the first hundred meters I was on my own no one to draft <laughs> with no one to help with the sight lines sunrise was in my face couldn't see anything oh, and it it was awful but um, you know, I came out of the water. The pro athlete coordinator was was visibly concerned, like wondering <laughs> if, if something had gone wrong, if I was okay. But I ended up. Um, that is that is one of my uh, records that I'm most proud of. Uh, I, I assume I still hold it. At the time, it was by a solid three minutes. Uh, that was the slowest swim ever in a sub nine hour <laughs> Ironman. That is incredible! Wow, that's that, see that gets everybody hope. You don't have an excuse if you suck at swimming. You just need to step it up on the bike and run like John Kelly. <laughs> wow, that well, is crazy. Yeah, the the difficulty with it is it's it's the best of the three to be bad at, yeah, but if yeah. you want to compete at the very top, yeah, you have to be good at all three, and it is the most difficult to get good at if you didn't grow up doing it. Yeah, yeah, we all hear you, believe me, we all hear you, that we, a lot of us experience it as well, it can be very frustrating, but you know, that's the growth, and that's what I love about you, you jump in, you take on the challenge, um, and you know, all of that was developing the mindset to to really chase it. And the main topic that I wanted to discuss with you today was uh, it caught my attention when I messaged you on Instagram was when I heard you on the podcast. You said, you know, if if you are extrinsically motivated, there's no way that you would finish the Barkley Marathons. And that just stuck out to me so much because when you start thinking about the intrinsic versus extrinsic, and, you know, how important that is in being able to to step up and, and do the extreme things that you've done. It's everything. And, uh, you know, I do a lot on LinkedIn. That's actually, you know, where I have my, my larger following. And so I threw that question out to my community, you know, are you intrinsically or extrinsically motivated? And, of course, everybody wants to say, I'm intrinsically motivated. And a lot of us, you know, we think we are. And to some extent we are. But if we were to really break it down, like you pointed out, when you really break it down to the tough times of anything in life, it doesn't even have to be, you know, ultras, but it's so visibly seen that correlation between physical challenge and and growth and physical challenge and men, because you can't cheat physical challenge. It's just you and your body and, you know, what what's going through your mind 
to get you through and to push, you know, mind over body. And so, you know, I just want to jump into your mindset of how do you and how have you come to that point where you are so singly intrinsically motivated? You know, is it a matter of having to wipe out distractions, being focused, being in the moment? What are some of the things that, that you think, you know, could, and you may take it for granted because it's come to you over all this time of growth, but it's truly something that stands out about you. Uh, so let's unwrap that a little bit. Well, you know, what do you think contributes to you being able to be intrinsically motivated and, and keep that during these long, long distances of events and challenge? Well, I think part of it, uh, to, to be honest, is the, um, you know, I've, I've always just been a bit stubborn, um, no, no matter <laughs> what I'm doing. Uh, it, it's not that I'm intrinsically motivated on everything. You know, we've right. we've all got to make a living. I've, I've got a job. It, it has to, to bring home a, a paycheck that can sure. uh, pay the mortgage and provide for my family. Uh, yeah, it'd be. Uh, we're fortunate uh, if if we can find a job that does align with our our passions and and is about more than that. But for something like Barclay, uh, for me, this is something uh, that that has to come from deep within. It has to be something where I am out there. Uh, you know, maybe if there was a million-dollar prize purse for Barclay, then some people could finish it for extrinsic motivation. But as it right. is, no one is going to um, be out there finishing it for social media kudos or, or anything else. It right, puts you right, down right. to your absolute core. Uh, you get to the point where uh, none of that, really matters and you have to have that that kind of fire inside of you that is deep enough to where even when you get stripped down that far it is it is still there it is still pushing you it is still motivating you and so for me that's not only my natural stubbornness or determination or resilience if you want to put a positive spin on that word but it's also just remembering uh, why I'm I'm really out there to be able to seek this better version of myself, to find my strengths and weaknesses, to be able to uh, use those in areas outside of of running, uh, and to gain the confidence going forward that, that I am able to do something like this. I am able to come up to a challenge and use simply my own skills and wits uh, to overcome it and, and push through uh, the, uh, the difficulties and, and the obstacles. Right, right, right. No, and I think that's the, some of those, you know, I mean, I'm going to unpack some of those key nuggets that you shared is, you know, it truly is, chasing the better version of ourselves, you know, and I think all of us have this picture of who we could be, who we want to be, where we want to be, you know, in sport and in life, you know, this directly translates back and forth. And that's why, you know, I've become so addicted to indirect sports because of, you know, you take all that back to real life uh, and you see growth on both sides, but, you know, we see that, but, not many of us are willing to do the work to get that or or to truly believe that we could achieve that. You know, it starts with the baby steps. You know, you didn't go from running a marathon to doing the spine, you know, you know, or, or doing the Barkley Marathon. It was, you know, it was a progression of growing yourself, growing yourself, and it's that consistency showing up day after day, uh, you know, to get to where you are and to be able to achieve the things you have. And, you know, that's just so important. It's such a big lesson for people. And then, like you said, you know, when it gets the hardest, you know, where do you go when it, when it gets super dark and you want to give up? Is there ever a race or a situation that you were in where you did give up and then afterwards the regret of that still haunts you? I mean, is it something like that that you can go back to? Or, you know, what, where do you go when it gets its darkest? So I have 
quit. Um, the the biggest one that comes to mind, uh, where it was it was simply a matter of I didn't want to keep going, rather than there being some sort of injury or actual danger I was in, like heat exhaustion or something of that nature, uh, was two years after my first Barclay finish. I went back to Barclay. I wanted to see um, what it would be like to do the race without having that uh, sort of mindset of of wanting to, to finish and become a finisher. And I, I got two loops through the race and I was in the lead and, and I just knew that I, I didn't have the mindset for pushing through what would come later. I, I didn't have, you know, whereas early on I'd been motivated by wanting to discover what I was capable of and discover what I would do and, and how I would handle some of those obstacles. When I went back after finishing initially, I kind of thought to myself, I already know. I already know what I'm capable of. I already know what's coming. I already know how I would construct, confront those things. So what is it worth it to me? Is, is it worth pushing through and, and dealing with all of this? And at, in the moment, the, the answer was, was no. And uh, it, it really took some more time before I, I developed into a, another new mindset where it was wanting to see if I'm capable of essentially willing myself on in, in the absence of any motivation really other than just because I want to, because I told myself to do this. Right. And so it's getting to that point uh, is, is definitely, as you say, it's, it's a progression. It's not just uh, immediately uh, jumping to those uh, limits and, and to those extremes. It is being able to, to take gradual steps to find where I, I thought my limits were and discover that there is still farther to go and to keep repeating. And each time I repeat that process, I can think back on those prior experiences and I can think back on those low points that I had and how I was able to push through them and bounce back and come back from them and continue on what strategies I used, what I was feeling. And above all, to, to remember, you know, I used to think that running a, a Boston qualifying marathon time was, was my limit. And yeah. I've, I've gone well past that, well right. past things in triathlon, well past things in, in I'm, I'm, I've never been a, a huge fan of the saying that, you know, you can do anything you set your mind to because we all have actual limits. You, you know, I'll never dunk a basketball or run a 10-second 100-meter dash, right. no matter how hard I work at it. But yeah. in anything, yeah. I believe that our, our actual limits are, are far beyond anything that we can initially imagine or see. They're, they're way past the horizon, and it takes a long journey to get there uh, to the point where we can actually see anything that resembles what our limits truly are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I love it. And, and then, you know, then the other thing you pointed out was that's where you get the confidence that builds for that next big challenge is when you are able to go back to past, you know, I was so low, but I pushed through and I made it and I know that I did that, and so that is within me, and I know I have it, and I can use that to go forward. And so that's why it is so important that we are, you know, constantly challenging ourselves, constantly doing these things. And, you know, to the people outside the endurance world, they don't understand. They're like, you know, isn't one enough? Isn't two enough? But it's, a con it's something that it's not that we're chasing some – what we're chasing is to continue to grow and you can't continue to grow unless you're consistently challenging yourself and putting yourself forward. And that's how you're able to climb. And, and that's why it's so addicting. That's why, you know, endurance athletes 
you know, it's it's like an addiction for us because we want to find out where is our limit, you know, because each time we get a little bit higher and it's so exciting um, and it builds so much confidence within us. So uh, you're definitely such an example of that, John. So, John, what is on the horizon? What's coming up next? Um, do you have any, you know, new big goals? Would you ever go do Ultraman and, and, and win that? Because everybody sees you could. <laughs> you know, the Ultraman, the three-day Hawaii event, um, obviously you have everything that, to, to be able to go crush something like that. Or, you know, well, what is next on your horizon? Yeah, that's that's something that I've I've thought about at at points uh before and who knows, maybe one day I'll I'll get to that point where I, I want to revisit triathlon and, and take on some new fresh challenges there or even revisit some of those uh goals I, I mentioned that I, I didn't quite uh get during my time in the sport. In the near term it, it is a number of uh, ultra running goals still. I'm, I'm going back to Tour de Giant in September, which is a, a just a race, an absolute beautiful course uh, in the Italian Alps. It's it's a 200 mile, 205 mile loop that circles the Aosta Valley, and I have not had a good race there yet. Um, the the first time I kind of sabotaged myself with poor sleep management. Uh, the second time is one of those few other times that I I quit and I DNF'd, but that one was uh, just still a, a largely inexplicable case of, of rhabdo that, that I got uh, 50 oh, just yeah. 50 miles in, and I was fortunately able to recognize the symptoms and stop myself before any real damage was done, but uh, it was just a strange, perfect storm of, of factors uh, that, that I guess yeah. went into that between the race itself and life stresses and, and other things that, that were going on. So that's the big one uh, for the rest of the year. This summer I'll probably take on uh, a long FKT, fastest known time, uh, where yeah. other all of these trail routes uh, around the world that, that um, can take on to, to just see if you can uh, run the, the best time uh, that, that anyone that's fun. Uh, yeah. has yeah. recorded. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's cool that's been something I've, I've done quite a bit of the past few years. Okay, okay. Well, we will keep our eye on you uh, and stay in touch, please. Uh, you know, we're in your corner cheering you on. So thanks so much. We really appreciate you taking the time to share with us today. And I know, you know, everyone's going to get a lot out of this. So thanks so much, John. And happy training and stay injury-free. <laughs> thanks very much. Well, I hope hearing all of that really inspired you. And I hope if you have the time in your racing schedule, you could consider going out to do the Kauai 5.0, Kauai 50. It sounds amazing. And remember, he gave us a discount code. So make sure you go back, write that down, and use that if you want to register. I am still between, uh, you know, what I'm going to do. But I have to see. My next race coming up is Gulf Coast 70.3 in May. And then Hanu, we'll have to see how that goes. That's going to be a big determining factor for me as to what the rest of my race season looks like. So we shall see. But be before we close out, I just want to close out with our Mindset Minute. And I'll tell you, I think one of the biggest struggles for us as athletes at times can be just trying to, to keep that work, family, life. I call it collaboration because there's no such thing as balance. And, you know, you really have to, so I see it as a seesaw, you really have to swing the seesaw, you're not going to ever have balance, uh, you know, sometimes the seesaw of your training is going to be up, and the seesaw of, you know, your family might be down or work and then vice versa. Sometimes there's going to be more times that the work and family may be higher and you have to be okay with letting go of some of the training. You just have to. And, you know, I had to really remind myself of that this week. I, you know, I got the time for myself at training camp and going to Oceanside and then to come back and have spring break with my kids. 
I still got, uh, you know, pretty much all my training in, but it was more just mentally to make sure that I wasn't spending the whole day thinking, you know, with my kids there on the beach thinking, oh, I still have to get this and I still have to go do this. I still got to get a swim, like being present and being focused and not letting my training like overshadow my thoughts and my drives. Uh, I hope I'm not the only one like that. Surely you can relate to that. Uh, but I'm I'm pretty bad about that. I usually look at my training schedule that my coach sends over and then I work like everything else around it. That's, you know, where I am. And, and sometimes I, you know, that can get the best of me. So it was just a big reminder of really continuing to swing the seesaw back and forth so that I can be there for what's important. And you remember that at the end of the day, you know, if a if a session is five minutes short or, you know, 10 minutes short so that I can make it and be there in time for dinner with the kids, it's not going to be the end of the world. So I'm still working through a lot of that. And I'm sure a lot of you are as well. But anyway, let's happy training, you guys. Let's stay injury free. Let's continue to, you know, do all the things that are important, like our recovery and our nutrition, our sleep. I need to catch up on some of that. And, uh, you know, let's just get out there. Let's take this race season and send me a, you know, if you have a question or would like to add something here to the podcast, make sure to send me a DM. I would love to hear from you. Well, thanks for joining us today on our Waterfall Racing Podcast. Hopefully there were some good takeaways for you. And hopefully it gave you a little bit more insight into who we are. If you would like to find out more or join our community, go to waterfallracing.com. You can find us on Instagram as well. If you have a mailbag question that you would like us to answer, send me a DM at jmcadams5 on Instagram. We'll be answering some of those questions in future episodes. And remember, when it comes to training, Sometimes it's just about showing up. I love the mantra, anything's better than nothing. Not every session is going to go perfect, but show up. Consistency is always king. Happy training.